Welcome to the neighborhood, Sam. Welcome to the neighborhood, Anthony. Did you pay your rent this month? On a cardboard box, all you have to pay is postage. Oh, you're so cute. <laughs> Speaking of rent, we are here today with an actor who's on the na- on the cast of the national tour for Rent, Chase McCall. Welcome to the Gabriel. Hi, Chase. Hello. Thank you for having me. Oh, we're so happy to have you. Uh, pals at home, Chase is stunning. You find the cutest guests for us. I don't yeah. know how he does it. Oh my goodness! It's it's on my vision board. Uh, that's <laughs> the one that's right there, right? <laughs> yeah, I do. We do have a vision board uh, in in the studio where we record the neighborhood, and uh, yeah, it's out there where uh, only beautiful guests. Only beautiful oh, guests, inside or outside. Thank you. Oh, it's flattered. All gays are beautiful. Agab, it's our personal A-gab. model. <laughs> Chase happens to be beautiful inside and out, and we're so happy to have you. And we're going to explore your insides now. Oh, right. Well, (laughs) dig in. So, Chase, uh, first let's just start. Tell us, you know, where are you from? You know, where where did you grow up? Where did all this music be? Let's sort of like give the folks at home a little something. A little background, uh, sure. A little background, yeah. Well, I was born in Salt Lake City, Utah. Ooh, okay, like Mormon sure, capital. Sure, was. Is your family Mormon? Um, a good chunk of them still are. Oh, so, honey, I, I just ranched my magic underwear. There it is. Okay, keep <laughs> yeah. going, keep going. Um, and then uh, when I was seven, I moved to South Carolina for a couple years. In South Carolina? South Carolina Ooh. for a couple years in Columbia, and then moved to Charlotte, North Carolina. Wow. So I kind of say, Carolinas. right, I just got to get them both out of the way. Yeah. So I like to say that I was like, I was raised in Utah because as you can hear, there was really no Southern accent, but mm. I grew up in the Carolinas because that's right. where I learned things and became a teenager and went to high school. That voice was just kissed by the Carolinas. Right. Oof. <laughs> Gift and a curse. <laughs> you got it like just a touch. I get like a touch of Carolina yeah. in some of the vowels. It comes out sometimes. Accent. Especially when I say Carolina. Carolina. Like it's just, it's, it just rolls off the tongue, you know? It does. It does. Yeah. It does. Yeah. Um, so tell us, you're in the National Touring uh, Company for Rent right now. Can you tell us uh, where did this love of music theater come from? Music theater, um, it really came from, um, you know, when I saw the uh, movie Hairspray. Oh, no way. Yeah. Um, the one with Zac Efron. Oof. Oh, um, oh, let's Link, not talk about Zac that. Zac Efron and, as Link Larkin. Truly, like Swoon. goals, goals. Quick question. Did you see the original Hairspray? I actually remember trying to, I like tried watching it the day of that I saw the remake, the movie in the theaters. And I like kind of fell asleep. Okay, that makes sense. It's um, I think, and you were probably pretty young when it. Yeah, when I was when the when the movie came out. Well, the original. You were, obviously, you were super young when the original. Oh yeah, yeah, you know, yeah. The John Waters came mm-hmm. one came out first, which is the only one I've seen. I haven't seen the the remake version. You've never what? seen the remake? No, no. I, oh my god! I, I, All right, movie night. It's um, happening. James Marsden as Corny Collins. Ooh. Swoon. Okay. He's like the sleeper, mm-hmm. um, the sleeper hottie in that movie. Um, let's also talk about 
Miss Baltimore Krabs. Michelle Pfeiffer, are you kidding me? The only... The only version of that role I'm interested in yeah. is the Michelle Pfeiffer version. Iconic, iconic. Oh my god, she's incredible. Did you see the the live hairspray they just did like last year or something? I did. I, I did. haven't seen it. I haven't wow. seen it. it but was... I'm sure I'm sure my dear Kristen Chenoweth did a great job though. She did. Mm-hmm. She did. Michelle Pfeiffer just has that like gravitas to her true, though. True. True. Like I'm terrified mm-hmm. of Michelle Pfeiffer. <laughs> Because of that movie, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Okay. what was that movie she did in the early ni- in the in the ni- mid nineties, uh, where she was a teacher? I've seen it like I watched it dozens of times. You were not even born yet, probably, or you were a baby. <laughs> but people my age, I'm I'm a couple years uh, different in age than Sam. I won't say older, but there's a legal couple difference. Couple years difference <laughs> Legally, there is at least a day or two separating. Accor- our birth according to the man, so we do have some different points of reference mm-hmm. uh, in culture, which makes us it makes us interesting. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah, it gives us. We always laugh about our frame of reference because it's just so different. the most bizarre range of uh, of. I don't know. We just I make like, each other blink out sometimes. We do. We Blinks, just, a lot of blank stares. <laughs> like, just, you guys bring so much to the table together. You know, that's just you. It's awesome. It's fun. It's well, back to you because we've got this gorgeous guy sitting at the table with us, and here yes, we are we rambling do. about ourselves. Well, I enjoy it. Anyway, yeah. Well, Chase, this is about you. Okay. <laughs> okay. Okay. Spotlight on you. So, uh, North Carolina, uh, you were you had this love of music theater from. Mm-hmm. Hairspray, the remake, which we love. Which we all love. Um, So how did you sort of foster this interest in music theater? You made the decision, like, I want to do that, right? Yeah, yeah. And that was kind of the wake-up call, because I I went to performing arts high school. Oh, very cool. In... Yeah, in high school, uh, 10, 10, 11th, and 12th grade year I went. Um, so I was still, my first love ever was piano, though. Like, I played piano to private lessons growing up when I was 10. So, like, I had always I had music, and, like, I loved singing still, but, like, didn't really know how to use it. So it mm-hmm. wasn't until I went to the performing arts high school where they had all of these tools for us to, like, do musicals and take dance classes and choir and piano. So... It wasn't until I was going to this high school and I saw Hairspring. I was like, I'm going to audition for the spring musical, which at the time was Pippin. Did not get in. Did, Ooh, did not go well. Because it was competitive. Just because you were a boy did not mean you got cast. Like, And I was a little I was a little thicker back then. A lot, lot, lot going for me looks-wise and everything. <laughs> Talent-wise, still very green. But that's when I got bit, and so then I auditioned for the next the next year, um, and did like four musicals that year at like, oh, high school. So wow. that's when it started. And even then, it was still not like a I'm gonna make this my career. It was mm-hmm. just like I just think it's so much fun. Like I really enjoy it, and like there's just nothing else like it. So so what was that turning point for you? Honestly, it was college. Um, you know, I still didn't know what I wanted to do. I mean, music education was kind of the the go to because oh I still wanted to I'm have so some sorry. sort of music. I know what was wrong with me. <laughs> um, so I I didn't really audition for many schools. I auditioned for two musical theater schools in North Carolina. I didn't get into one, so I only had one choice to go to the other. And I was still kind of like debating whether to do music ed or musical theater. So I was like, I'll oh, just do both. And then my first day, they were like, that's going to take you probably like six years to graduate if you want to do both. And I was like, you know what? I'm just going to do musical theater instead. <laughs> that's the real logical decision here. Obviously. So, yeah, it wasn't until college. And then my first like paid professional gig I did the summer after my um, freshman year was Link and Hairspray. 
Oh, wow. Yeah, full so circle. full circle. I know my first ever, like, titled, like, character, like, not in the ensemble featured role was Link in Hairspray. That's really oh. exciting. Yeah. Did you did you recognize it at the time that you had been so affected by Hairspray as a, as a young person, and then you came to actually be paid to play? Yeah. I definitely think I, like, manifested it. I was like, yeah, I was just did. like, I want to do that, like, so bad. Like, it just, a dream role. Like, it's funny you said you use the word manifested because I was – that was the word that I was going to use. Like you manifested that role, mm-hmm. but you said it instead of me. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I'm just such a believer in just putting it out there in universe and just like just putting in the work and yeah. what you put out there will come back to you one day. And yeah, just it really being does. patient and doing the work and stuff. So that's definitely one of those examples I would use to that I manifested because I just wanted it so bad. <laughs> did you? Did you cry when you were offered that that job? <laughs> what a weird fucking question. No, I didn't cry. I remember I was thinking, I think I was like laying in my dorm room my freshman year and I got the email and I just got super excited. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. Also because I beat out my ex for the role. So that oh, might have I something love to do with that. it. Oh, was yes. he an ex at the time? No, he wasn't. Oh, he was a current. He was a current thing, yeah. So <laughs> got, I got a little satisfaction that I had gotten the role over him. Yeah. You'd be like, tonight, honey, tonight, I'm the top. I get, get ready. <laughs> I win this one. <laughs> Start doing a little, like, Fosse snap. I know, a little, bit, a little bit like some ponies yeah. in bed and stuff. <laughs> oh, I love that. Yeah. So, okay, so after Link... Um, how did you can you walk us through like how you've gone from there to where you are today it's like that professional level yeah um i don't know i just really took my studies seriously um my first college i went to was called unc pembroke um and it was a great school it was a bm so it was very music oriented and very singing and like theory heavy which was great but like i like singing wasn't what i need the most work on it was acting and dancing and that school just didn't have enough resources at the time. So I transferred schools. I After three years, my going into what would have been my senior year, I transferred schools because I oh, knew wow. this other school had was still affordable and had um, a better acting and dancing um, program. So I went and once again, like manifested like my experience there, like um, they were doing Les Mis my first year, like transferred there. And Les Mis oh, is wow. like my all time favorite. So I was like, I want to go and I'm going to get Valjean in the show. And once again, I went and I just like got the role. And like that, that was, that was an almost teary moment for me when I got that call. But I just, I just worked, I just worked so hard and, and I just wanted it a lot. So I put in the work. I went to auditions and stuff for summer work. Um, Got some really great summer opportunities in between my years at school. Um, And then same for after. I mean, I just, I've just, made it happen when it needed to happen sending mm-hmm. video submissions like not letting distance hold me back and just and just wanting it and then mm-hmm. putting in the work <clears throat> of course and that's i mean that's something that we've experienced as well mm-hmm. is what a lot of people don't understand when you are outside of a performance industry because mm-hmm. uh, everyone says oh you know uh, millions of people are trying to do what you're doing mm-hmm. you know what makes you special and sometimes it's not even a question of talent, because there are mm-hmm. a lot of talented. They also don't tell you how many untalented people there are. Yeah. There are a lot it's of a shitty real thing. people trying it's a to real do real thing. Yeah. And no one, uh, no one ever tells them like, "Honey, this isn't for you." Exactly. It's a continuous effort. I think that sets us is, a, that makes us different. Exactly, but it's it's the willingness to <clears throat> sacrifice 
everything. Mm-hmm. I mean, literally everything. Truly. And just you got to put in the work, mm-hmm. and so you got to keep trucking. What for for you? Give us like talk more. About what was the work for you? Because it wasn't just sitting around like wishing hard enough that it right, was, right, like, right. There was there was effort. So what kind of effort did that mean? It just meant practicing. I mean, I I wish I'd done more in in college, but it's just really like taking what these teachers are saying and like just applying it and, and learning from it and seeing what works for me and what doesn't work. I mean, and it's just knowing having that little voice in, in your head or in your, in your heart or wherever that lies for you and just knowing like I can do this and yeah. like this is for me and like I know what I bring to the table and I know what I need to work on. And it's just, co- it's like constantly working on things that you need to improve on, you know? Yeah. So like that's, that's for me, like when I transferred schools, like, I knew like singing wasn't what I needed to worry about. Like that's good enough for where I am right now. It's dancing and acting. So I'm going to go somewhere else that offers that better. Would you agree with the, with this that I'm about <laughs> to say is that one of the most productive things people like us can do is to mm-hmm. listen and apply thought like thoughtfully apply the uh, the advice and the criticism that our mentors and that our teachers give to us. Absolutely. Um, I think like obviously it's worth it to you must trust them and find that person valuable and look up to them. Absolutely. But because I've I've found that if if I do almost everything exactly like that person who's my mentor and Sam and I do have mentors collectively and individually mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh, that if I do exactly what they say, I make progress. Ex- yes, yes. No, I I agree. And especially when so many of them kind of all have the same philosophies or ideas. We keep hearing the same thing like I listen to I like I'm obsessed with watching interviews with my some of my favorite Broadway stars and they all kind of say the same thing it's just like being a kind person and like the like all you need is in the text like in the writing sometimes or just like doing your background research and stuff it's like when they're all saying the same thing it's like well maybe maybe I should follow that too and then look you know and it just works out that way yeah it's like uh for me it's like going around and talking to my mentors and all of them saying, Sam, you really need to see a gastroenterologist. What is going <laughs> oh, on? What down is going there? on, man? Um, Sam and bubbles like, like a jacuzzi. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> no, I'm sorry. Uh, I just want to light the mood for a moment. But uh, yes, I agree completely. Is taking, uh, I've also been the type to watch those interviews. Mm-hmm. And uh, it, it was funny for me because. Whenever, before I really started pursuing performing, uh, I would see these actors being interviewed and, you know, it's, what is your advice to your young fans or for people who want to go into acting? And they say, do something else. And I was like, what a terrible thing to say. No, it's arrogant almost. No, it is arrogant. But also, I think that what they're saying is that to perform as a career takes an incredible amount of sacrifice. Absolutely. Um, I, I mean, you it's funny to... you say sacrifice. I don't feel like I've ever sacrificed anything. I feel like I've only, I, I just omitted the things that I'm not interested in, mm-hmm. and I don't view those as being sacrifices. I view those as just being omissions of what's unwanted. I'm really happy you have nothing else that you care about in your life. <laughs> <laughs> I was not so fortunate. Um, you know, there are things that I care very deeply about, Sure, but... You know, this is this is what I care yeah. more about, and I'm than aware anything. of that because we're we're good friends, we're yeah. close. So yeah. I I do know I'm we aware like of each other. We chat yeah. sometimes. Mm-hmm. Um, but Chase, so that was kind of what I wanted to go into for you. Yeah. Um, how what is that balance for you? Have you like 
have you felt like you've had to let a lot of stuff go as you've pursued this career? Yeah, well, especially um, making that decision to just do musical theater, not music education, is kind of like, okay, well, you're sacrificing a relatively secure future. Like, mm-hmm. you know, you don't you do not do acting for the money. It's just, mm-hmm. if you're in it for that, then you're in it for the wrong reasons because you just got to find the love for it, you right. know? And I, yeah, I mean, moving to New York City, like the most, it's one of the most expensive cities in the world, you know? And it's like, you're just, you're just kind of living paycheck to paycheck for a little while, you know? And, mm-hmm. and all of my family is still in North Carolina and Utah, so I don't see them as much, you know? And, and I feel like I do work so hard at what I do that it, you know, it doesn't leave much room for dating, okay. <laughs> you yeah. know? And, and things like that. So, um, sacrifices along the way, like, absolutely. Hmm. Okay. Well, no, it's 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 interesting to hear like what that looks like for people in different performance fields. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, but now I kind of want to ask about like sort of your whole coming out story, how yeah. that's involved in all this. I mean, yeah. coming from a Mormon family, I can't imagine that was easy for you. Yeah. Yeah. Um, you know, it's it's shockingly not as um dramatic as of a story as as people would think when they hear yeah. about my background yeah i mean it's kind of crazy i mean um grew up i mean born into the religion and um my dad was a convert he converted when he was maybe like 25 26 and my mom was bored and born and raised okay so already kind of had an interesting dynamic that my dad's side of the family was not mormon all in the carolinas and my mm-hmm. mom was all mormon in, in utah so we moved to the carolinas and is my mom's first time out of Utah and things. So like things just it kind was of her first time out of Utah. Well, no, not out of, like moving, like moving oh, away like, from home. Okay. Besides okay, going on her like, mission. I was like, oh my God, where was her mission, by the way? Um, in Jacksonville, Mississippi. Oh, or boring mission. Yeah, yeah, but like deep <laughs> south, like deep south like craziness. Deep south yeah. craziness. Chase, did you do a mission? I did not. Okay. I did not get that far. Very close though. Um, so I mean there were, so once we moved to the Carolinas, like just things didn't start making sense and like we were just and you were how old? Um, when I moved or when I left? Well, um, like when you moved in sort of this period yeah. that we're talking about right now. Um, it, I moved when I, to the Carolinas when I was 10, so that was like 2002. Um, and then it wasn't until I was in high school when like things just started surfacing, just kind of like things didn't make sense anymore, like mm-hmm. in the church. And so it's a funny story, like my parents left first. Really? Yeah, they left the religion first, and then me being a teenager, I'm like, well, if they don't have to go, then I don't have to go. You know, I never really wanted to go anyway. I never they, did it for the right reasons. Did your parents leave the church for and substitute with a different church? Mm-mm. They just they just kind of had enough at that point because, like I said, things just things higher ups were saying weren't kind of weren't making sense to what they were asking and uh, inquiring wow. about. Yeah, so they kind of pieced out, and I was being a kid. I was like, I'm gonna do it too. And then eventually found my own reasons to not to not want to go back. I mean, it's such a high expectation religion, very restricting and limiting, mm-hmm. and and they keep so many things from you. It just makes you want them more, you know. Yeah. Um. So then, in relation to coming out, I mean, I was still Mormon going to this performing arts high school. So, you know, I met all these guys, and like the gay stereotype wasn't what I wanted to be. So I was still kind of conflicted about what I wanted. Well, when you're not out, it can be really scary. Yeah, absolutely. I the same thing, like performing in high school mm-hmm. and uh, I was just being myself. I wanted to be, you know, I, I was just being myself. Right. And people would be like, oh, that's gay. And so I'm like, oh, I don't want to be that. Exactly. Oh, yeah. I mean, even going to a performing arts high school where it was very gay friendly, I mean, I would mm-hmm. get teased about it and still felt uncomfortable yeah. in my own skin. Oh, and absolutely. Like, 
I don't know if this was true for you. Like everyone knew I was gay before I did. Yeah, kind pretty much. I yeah. mean, like like my coming out wasn't like the shock of the century. No. Um. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I was even watching videos of me as a kid too. I'm just like, wow. Like that's why they knew. That's how. Oh, yeah. oh, <laughs> you yeah. know. I'm like, oh, do you remember that? Uh, <clears throat> CD, it was in sync and Britney Spears and oh, yeah. McDonald's. Yeah, yeah, I remember those. <laughs> and like, I have seen videos of choreography I did to the Britney side of that oh, CD wow, wow. from when I was little. And it's, I mean, that's when everybody knew, essentially. That's, that's when everybody but my parents knew. Uh, but your parents. <laughs> oh, they didn't know. Oh, that's no. Fine. So, your parents, what was their reaction to you coming out? Um, it, honestly, I'm very, very close to my mom. Always okay. have been. Um, and I told her first, and because I'd met somebody in in college that I was really into, and so it was, it's the most ridiculous thing. I posted a status, not about like my coming out, but I was like, dramatic chase it was like, something about along the lines of, his life will never be the same. Like everything's gonna be different from now on. Oh. So my mom immediately calls me. He's like, what's I going on? Oh, okay. And so I was like, remember my uh, remember our old church friends who's one one who's now like a lesbian and like dates a girl now. Well, that's kind of me <laughs> now. Oh, but like I'm a lesbian the now. other <laughs> version. I like kind of dating a boy. So she she had a hard time with it. And it wasn't so much for like she just couldn't accept it because she was in like life coach training at the time. So it was very much like she had to, it's kind of like you're following your North star. You're like being who you are. Like that's what she's learning about. So I can tell her. And so, um, it just, it was more for safety. It's more like she didn't want me to be bullied or picked on or, yeah. you know, as much, I mean, the difference between 2010, 2019 is pretty, pretty drastic in terms yeah. of rights and things. Yeah. So she was just more concerned for my well-being. And of course, I'm like, don't tell dad. And of course, she told him. And uh, and he was so fine with it. Like, he came from a very liberal background growing up. So, like, he he was like, oh, I yeah, it's fine. Don't worry about it. Yeah. It's like, great. Cool. Did he did, did he know or did they either of them know? Um, I Like I said, I think everybody kind of suspected or kind of like yeah. I, I would get teased from my dad and my brother about it sometimes about just like, acting gay or like yeah. things like that. Um, so I don't think it was a shock for sure. sure. Even, even one of my oldest half sisters like was like you, like always kind of called it and she was right. So mm -hmm. here you mm -hmm. are. <laughs> yeah, super cute. Uh, uh, my my mom and dad pretend like they didn't know, like I blind, to this day, yeah. they came out a, a while ago mm -hmm. and they still maintain the dialogue that it's been, uh, or the narrative that it's been, that they were blindsided by it. Really? Yeah, and but you know, I have people in my family who, from the they they t they tell me that they knew I would be gay from like the age of being me being four years old. That's crazy. Yeah, I remember like in I think second grade we had we filled up one of those forms of like all about all about me. Okay. And one of my hobbies, I wrote that I'm a figure skater. And I thought I was a figure <laughs> skater because I would put on roller skates <sighs> and skate around my grandparents' oh, basement. So I thought I was a real figure skater. That's beautiful, though. Yeah. That's so cute. This just makes me think, like, for future reference, like, we have to do ice dancing together oh at my some God. point. Oh, I yeah. want to be ice dancing partners. Oh, I would love I'd to pay ice to see dance that. with you. I would pay to I see that show. I would pay to see that show. The gay agenda on ice. <laughs> oh my god! It would be that's like, the um, spinoff. New vision board. It's like a gay Blades of Glory. Mm. Obviously, we'll need um, <laughs> Will Arnett and Amy Poehler again. Absolutely. Um, uh, because they were the most important part of that movie. Oh, absolutely, absolutely. Um, I love this. I love this. It's going to be a very gay Blades of Glory. I can't wait. I mean, it's the only sport I watch the Olympics. So Blades like, of Glory come on now. Hole. 
<laughs> love it. Spinoff. Love that. Spinoff. We I'm love gonna, spinoff. I'm going to start working on making my calves huge enough to like fill those fill those boots. I am going to start working on just like I don't even know. Triple where to start. I don't even know where to start. What's that move they do in Blades of Glory? That like the scorpion or something, where like that super impossible twisting. Yes. Yeah. yeah. I think you should yes. work on that. I should work and on not get your head cut off like I they mean, do in the movie. Preferably not, but like Marie Antoinette rocked it, so you know. So then you can too. Very French, very <laughs> rococo. <laughs> I'm guillotine chic, bitches. <laughs> um, so Chase, back to you though. So um, outside of our interview, we were chatting a little bit. Um, can you walk us through? So like after college, how you got from Les Mis yeah. to your role today? <clears throat> yeah. Um, I so after college, I worked at a theater in Florida and did Footloose. Ooh, I was nice. um, Ren. So okay, I was the um, Kevin Bacon character. Yes. Sorry. <clears throat> uh, the road. Sorry. So uh, please tell me, okay, before we continue, yes. I have to know how was the like dramatic gymnastic angst. Right. Number? That moment in the warehouse where he's like swinging off of like the chains oh, and things. I know. I wish that moment was still in the musical, but it's not. No. I know. Like his big number is like, it's called I Can't Stand Still. And he's in, it's his first day in school and he's just gets the bug to like want to dance and sing and stuff. So he's like this cool, like it's very acrobatic and mm-hmm. it's very high energy and stuff. Not as, it's much more upbeat and friendly versus like, angsty teen like kind of stuff but that's the equivalent of that warehouse scene but it's it's a lot of fun though it's such a fun show for sure an actor must have injured himself and that's why they omitted it oh trying right trying to recreate just swinging off of chains and and (laughs) random bars in a warehouse absolutely (laughs) i love that um so okay so we had footloose Footloose. and then it was during that time um I was submitting videos to work on a cruise ship as a singer. Okay, um, which is a difficult gig to get. Yeah, if yeah. Folks at home, if you've never auditioned for a cruise ship, it's very difficult. It's not easy, absolutely. Um, the company that was hiring for the cruise ships, um, I had worked with um, a few years ago during a theme park gig. How fortuitous. Yes, yes. The year that I worked there, they announced they were they acquired Holland America, the... the um, oh the cruise line to start producing shows. So as soon as that happened, I was like, I'm going to work on a cruise ship one day. Like, I'm going to get them to put me on a ship. So I was finally out of school, and I sent in videos. and just kept kind of hounding and, like, harping yeah. and stuff And I from the casting director I'd met. And lo and behold, I, I got the offer while I was still doing Footloose. That started maybe a few months after that. Um, so I did cruise ships for about two years, um, traveling pretty much anywhere you could want to go in the Caribbean. Um, Alaska, South um, South America, but um, yeah, it was one of those things too where I just put it out there and then made the very very conscious choice to get my health in okay. check um, while you were on the cruise. While I was on the cruise, because it was free gym access, free Great. food access, for, you know, all the time in the world to just put my heart and soul into it. So I just really got my health under control um, during that time. You were working out a lot because you, you're obviously a very fit man. Yeah, and back then I was I was not. Even when I got the cruise ship thing, I was still a little a little heavier. Um, so I just, I just worked, 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 and then um, made the move to New York right after, after saving a good amount of money to move. Um, I, when I first moved in March of 2017, um, I wasn't auditioning at the time. Um, I had 
a lot of very important weddings between friends and family to go to <laughs> okay. that needed my attention. Um, so I just took some time off. And then um, once it all kind of died down, I auditioned. I was starting to audition again. And maybe after a couple weeks, I got um, my first national tour, which was oh. the um, – uh, a Charlie Brown Christmas live oh. on stage. Ooh. Cute. Yeah. Who did you play? I was the swing. I was the onstage male swing. Yes, Cute. You were. So I had to learn all of the male parts. So yeah. Snoopy, Charlie, and Linus mostly. Yeah. Um, so I did that. It was like a short, like five week tour, um, mm-hmm. one night a week, which was like one one different city every night, which was tricky. And then. Actually, I I got the offer for that and for a production of Mamma Mia in Florida. Oh wow! At the same on the same day, which was incredible, which never happens. So I did Mamma Mia after that as Sky, and then it was during Mamma Mia that I had auditioned for Rent, um, that I had did callbacks for and whatnot. So I got mm-hmm. Rent, and that's been going on since May of last year. We started rehearsals. And um, did you spend any time when you first moved to New York where you worked a day job or or a night job? Oh, yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Um, I my first job I did. um, I was a host slash takeout boy at the meatball shop in Hell's Kitchen. Um, Very glamorous. Um, But then um, my friend from one of my cruise ship jobs, he got me a job as a personal driver, which I still do whenever I'm. have time off from the shows and stuff yeah. so um so it's like uber plus like yeah a little, a little higher end yeah. yeah um it's it's a company called get services and it's just more personalized um car service personal assistant kind of job but um main clientele are people within the broadway community so it's driving people to and from their broadway shows um Great. post and pre-show or to airports and stuff or um um, press stuff or interviews yeah. and um, stuff. So. And that's so important to just even spend as much time as possible in that community and in that world. Absolutely, yeah. I've met some really incredible people so far that I hope that when I see them again, I'll be working with them or being in the car with them versus driving them. Um, but they're people I really, really admire and look up to and that's like incredible. still have their phone numbers. So. <laughs> and, and everyone's been everyone's been kind to you. There's been no like yeah. diva moment. No, no, no. Nothing, nothing... Um, wildly crazy just you know some some definitely i wouldn't say unfriendly but like you know i like their their car time is usually their downtime so mm-hmm. i never engage with them unless they initiate conversation first um and mostly you know it's kind of the same general conversations where are you from how old are you what do you you know all the drivers are actors and they know that so it's very like light conversation but i've definitely had some like good experiences like um good conversations Oh, I'm so um, happy for that. Yeah, yeah it's it's really, really awesome. And that makes awesome. sense. I've never come across in, in the entertainment industry anyone who's been just a rude diva. Mm-mm, mm-mm. And there, there are people I'd even heard about who were divas who I'd driven, and they were nothing but but pleasant. Yeah, so. everyone's been super kind. Yeah. Was working on the cruise ship, was that was that a glamorous experience? Yeah. I mean, you, you kind of feel when you're on those ships – and you're kind of the resident stars on the ship, mm-hmm. you know. You do these these huge production shows, and and you're with a certain amount of people for for a week. The passengers, and they, you know, they come up to you and ask you the same kind of questions: Where are you from? How long have you been doing this? What's next? All those things. So you definitely feel, and in terms of pay too, like for actors, it's very lucrative. I would say, like you you, um, it's a lot to sacrifice for a. Uh, to go on cruise ships, being away from family and lack mm-hmm. of connection with people and being so far away for a while. Um, 
So they make it worth. They make it worth. Oh, it. absolutely, absolutely. So um, it, it definitely, definitely felt pretty glamorous at the time. Um, but it, I knew it was something for me that I didn't want to do for very long, just because sure. for me, I'm a, I'm a, I'm a thank you next kind of person with my mm-hmm. career. I'm just like, great, did that. Yeah. What's next? You know, so, what's 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 gonna happen? So on that note, so we've got rent right now. Mm-hmm. Um, how long does this tour last? Um, it goes until mid July. Okay, so you're gonna be on this for six more months. Mm-hmm. Thank you next. Thank yeah. you next. At, at um, which point do you start? At which point in the next upcoming months mm-hmm. are you gonna start thinking about your next move? Oh, it's already in in the brain. It's already kind of the wheels are turning. Um. I, so let's manifest it. Let's manifest so let's, it. So what's, hey, what's, Broadway. What do you see next for you? Seriously. Yeah, I mean, honestly, my, my two biggest things I wanted to do after college was do a cruise and do a national tour. Okay. Mm-hmm. Done and done. Yes. Um, I mean, really, the next the next step is to do to work at a really prominent theater, um, regional theater, or or Broadway, or a Broadway sure. tour. Yeah. I mean, honestly, like, that's the next big check, I would say. Um Lots of ways to get there, but um, I really, I think Broadway is is really next. And That's I, exciting. Yeah, That's very yeah, exciting. yeah. And and Rent is definitely a great, like kind of Kickstarter. I mean, so many people I look up to, who is very very prominent today, are um, started got their careers in Rent. So yeah. it's awesome. And it's, I mean, Rent is just so important to the gay community mm-hmm. uh, as a piece of art that uh, so many people identify identify with. Uh, but is there a show running right now or mm. sort of in the works mm. that you uh, you have your eyes on? Um, I mean, honestly, shocker at the Book of Mormon. Obviously, love oh the Book God. of Mormon. Like, come like, on. Roll, That's my favorite. Which, uh, right. Elder Price. Oh, my God. I have a crush on Elder Price. And it, it's just – it's the character himself. Everyone just, who's played him and, and any, in any national tour, right. it, even on Broadway, has just been stunning all the time. I oh. can see you as Elder Price. I literally just like dream, dream, dream. Like – manifesting we're going to secret that out there um yeah it's definitely i think just instinctually that's what kind of comes to mind yeah there's so many things i want to do but like if i had to choose something to do right now if like that i could be in it would be book of mormon and sure. if you need an elder cunningham let me know then like i'm gonna call I'm, you like, up so ready for yes that. i yes. would love that chase and sam national tour book of mormon i would love let's that. do it I, I, okay I'm don't forget up. about me you guys <laughs> You can we'll, we'll bring you along. Well, there's I can I I only remember you can be the Elder voice Cunningham. Of God. The, and well, who's the guy who's who uh, plays uh, the shirtless angel? Oh, Mer- I don't know. You know that part where it's like in the first act when they're like going back in the history of it. Yeah, and show, but that's you. And he's kind of. Sh- that's so all. You, I that's yeah. all. You just take your shirt off and like that's all we need to know. Yeah, and I think like because he doesn't have the, like the craziest vocal techniques or range that needs to be sung in that show. I don't honestly. I I saw it in New York when I first moved a couple of years ago, but I can't I can't remember. I know the music like the back of my hand, mm-hmm. sure. Yeah. Um, but the character is like kind of kind of escaped me. It was. I mean, I saw it in. Uh, I saw a tour of it in Omaha and just nearly pissed myself. One of the funniest pieces of art, whether TV, mm-hmm. you know, film, live comedy, just one of the funniest things I'd ever seen in my entire life. It's unbelievable. Like. I'll never forget where I was listening to the opening song. Yeah. And mm-hmm. um, I think, because when it came out in 2011, so the, I, I had um, definitely was not Mormon anymore by this point. Mm-hmm. But I remember literally being in the bathtub listening to Turn It Off for the first time <laughs> of all places and just like howling at what they were saying. Because so funny. it just, especially being Mormon growing up, like everything they say is 
100% true. There you go. Like the yeah. song I Believe, mm-hmm. everything they say is exactly what Mormons believe. So they're just they're just heightening the truth. They're just they're just exacerbating it, you know? Like it's none of it's making fun of or poking fun at the religion. Does Seasons of Love still touch you? Cuz I I can't go one time anytime I hear Seasons yeah. of Love, it still moves me. Yeah. Do you feel that way when you hear it on stage? Yeah, I mean, especially hearing the audience reaction to it too. Um, you know, even if, even sometimes theaters that are only half full of audience members like they'll just go crazy for that for that song, especially when the Seasons of Love soloist hits that high note at the end. Mm-hmm. Like people always go crazy for it, so oh, it's God. always a magical feeling. Always magical. Mm-hmm. Just even when you first like hear the introduction to this song, it's just instrumental. I just like I can start feeling like the Chills. the spirit is still mo- moving right. Yeah. Absolutely, yes. Do you, now we we only have a few minutes left sure. for this episode. Uh, do you have any solid advice that you'd like to give to some of our listening audience? A lot of our audience are people who are who are in the performing industry and, and they are aspiring performers. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah, I would just say I think we've touched on it a couple of times, but it's just it's just work. Mm-hmm. You you work on it and you and I one of my little phrases I'd say is just to own it. Like yeah. own what you bring to the table and don't apologize for it. You know, especially for an audition room when you go in, like they can, they can tell when you're going in scared. But if you go in and be like, I'm the best thing here. Like I know what I have to offer. Then I think just owning that little part of yourself is, is very important. Um, and just, and knowing what needs to be worked on beyond that too. It's yeah. like, like this is, this is good. I'm okay here, but let's, let's focus on something else for a little while. Yeah. Um, that sounds almost like uh, advice that would come from Rue, doesn't it? From, oh, really? from Mama Rue. From Mama, Mama Rue. Because she, she, she says a lot. She uses the analogy, you know, the wheel's already been invented, so just be your own wheel. Exactly. That sounds like own it. Yes, yes. It's yeah. just it's just having that quiet voice in your in your head or heart, just like that knowing that you can that you can do it and that anything is possible and never to limit yourself. Like my good friend Alpha Bus says. Oh, <laughs> I love that. No gare way to close a podcast than a quote from Wicked. From Wicked. Thank you, Chase, so much for being with your us. Blah. Chase, let's try this again. Let's try I'm gonna chase my words. Thank you so much for being here with us today. It has truly been a pleasure. Yeah. Uh, you're welcome in the neighborhood anytime. Thank you and, so uh, much. I'll Anytime. wait for our national tour. Yes. And I don't think this is going to be our last time having you in here. Oh, I hope not. Yeah, you're absolutely delightful. I'm looking forward to our traditional post-podcast episode bubble bath. Oh, yes, absolutely. Between the three of us. And, oh, uh, yeah. I can't yeah. wait. For, this is what I've been looking forward to the most. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Folks, to close out to the uh, today's episode, uh, our Stonewall of Fame honoree today is Oscar Wilde. Uh, he was an openly gay Irish playwright, poet, and novelist. Uh, you would probably know him from some of his more famous works, uh, The Picture of Dorian Gray and The Importance of Being Earnest. Uh, Oscar Wilde was unfortunately taken from us too soon when he was sentenced to two years hard labor for oh. being gay. Yeah. What? Wow. Oh, yeah. No, it's fucked. What? Where, they, where fucked did they do up. that? I don't know, it's like when they would like take people and make them smash rocks. It's some bullshit. Um, absolutely brilliant, brilliant brilliant mind uh that we lost too soon however uh his work continues to be some of the most important uh western pieces today uh and uh that's all for today folks yeah well well in the words of a sledgehammer that has seen too many rocks 
Whether you are LGBT or an ally, as long as you have a little gay in your heart, you will always be welcome in the gayborhood. Ugh. Ladies and gentlemen, and everyone in between, I'm Sam Meyer. I'm Anthony Douglas. Don't let anyone dull your sparkle. We love you.